Welcome to the Dividend Talk Podcast, episode 85. Earning season continued. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dividend Talk. This week, we're going to continue on with earnings from our favorite European and American companies. So stay tuned. See you on the inside. European DJI, it's another Friday. Plenty of earnings to talk about today. Well, well, well. Whew. I, I was looking at my one pager, right, that I share sometimes on social media, and I felt like there are like 15 or 20 stocks that I want to talk about, but we just have like 45 minutes or something like that, so I wouldn't even know where to start. I mean, we picked some uh, companies uh, here now, so I hope also that the listeners enjoy those companies, at least I do, um, but there's just too less time to discuss everything. It's amazing, you know, if you look at it. Yeah, we have we have a lot of companies, and I know usually we talk a little bit of news of the week, um, but I think most of the news is going to be consumed within our earnings and 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 so on. But I do I do want to say share something funny, which which I saw on Reuters, um, Reuters just dot com just before we came on, and that was it. It was the first headline, and it was about Johnson and Johnson. And it's like it's like it's brand new news to these guys or something. But I had special report. Inside Johnson and Johnson's secret plan to cap litigation payouts to cancer victims, I'm like, hey, buddy, <laughs> this is not a secret. This is kind of this is kind of well known, and we've we've spoke about this new on the show. Yeah, 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 it's crazy. Like, but that kind of made and, me that made me giggle a little bit. And it isn't even cucumber time. No, 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 no. not yet. Can, so. can you imagine paying like five thousand dollars for a Reuters uh, subscription when you read this kind of stuff? Oh, come on, yeah, give me a break. And even I, I checked one of their data sets one time. It's e all the dividend data in there is even not reliable, right? So I sometimes wonder like um, how analysts use this data. I guess they have a lot of correct data, right, on earnings and such. But I think with European companies, it's almost impossible to get correct data. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I would never dream of using such a site for for dividend data. No, 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 I, exactly. I like it for main headlines and it breaks it down by exactly. European American. But but sometimes even reading the content in it. Is, is yeah. mind numbing itself. So, yeah. main headlines, and then I have a grasp of the news, and, and I'm happy. But hey, let's move on to to earnings, and it's probably our favorite, well, my favorite company on on the show, which is no longer Royal Dutch Shell. It is just plain old Shell. Yes, true. And I kept on, I keep on writing Royal Dutch Shell. I'm a bit uh, uh, slow in changing things. Ah, you're patriotic. No. <laughs> Look, listen up. We both said during the pandemic, bye, 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 right? And everyone said oil is dead. And um, look, what, what, what people just need to know, these are boom and bust cycles. Now we're at uh, the boom cycle, yeah, in the top. We need to realize that uh, uh, the barrels at $88 or $85. And we said already a quarter ago, these, these results will be massive in the cash flows. And they were, yeah, they were. But what... What I was mostly interested in actually was is what will they do with the Permian base assets that they sold for nine billion? And we know yeah. it now. They announced a uh, five 
5.5 billion um, or 5 billion 5.5 billion buyback based yep. on that money and the rest paying uh, down debt so the total buyback that they have uh, now coming up is eight and a half billion really? yeah and this is a lot because this is around the four percent shareholder yield they also mentioned that they will increase their dividend to 25 dollar cents per quarter so we will get a dollar per um, per share now on your cost basis of around 10 11 you're talking around the 10 percent yield almost right yeah uh, on cost so for me it uh, became the largest position in my portfolio it was like for two years um or three years microsoft but now shell uh, took 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 it over and um for me this is massive right four uh, percent dividend hike i prefer six or seven but getting a dollar per share and i've got a lot of shares is massive knowing that they will do also four and a half uh, percent buyback what the interesting thing is that means share reduction so next year without increasing the dividend in absolute numbers, they can still hike the dividend with 4%. Yeah. And this is what I like about these buybacks now, because what for me is most mind-blowing, they reduced their net debt from 75 billion to 52 billion in a single year. So they reduced 23 billion in debt in a single year. It's a one-third of their balance sheet that they reduced. and. The, this is what I like what companies should do in a boom cycle. You, 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 all the cash that you have, pay down your debt first, right, to, to normal levels. And they are now having a really, really strong balance sheet. If you look at the cash flow as well, uh, really strong balance sheet. And for me, they, the, that the CEO cut the dividend. Of course, I don't like it as a dividend growth investor. But from a capital uh, point of view, it was a really wise decision because they, they are so healthy now. And, and now, now investors that, for instance, started to buy after the cut, I don't see them cutting the dividend anytime soon because if they continue to buy back shares on this level, they, don't, they, they can just increase the dividend with 4% without it costing additional money, let's say. Yeah. I mean, look, we saw we saw this coming. We spoke about it. They made it quite obvious. That's why I think we both like uh, Shell yeah. at the moment because they are quite transparent in, in nearly everything that that they do. So it was it was seen. You are dead right. The first thing you said is that this is boom bust. We are now at a boom. I don't know if we would be buying at these levels. I really, I, I'm not buying at 24 euros. No, yeah. the time to buy was like uh, one and a half year ago. No, yeah. not. Now I'm just enjoying the cash coming in. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm enjoying. And the price, of course, you know, um, we always, I always say like, I'm not interested in price. When I check the price, it does give me a good feeling when it's at 24 euro because it gives me kind of a confirmation like, ah, it was right. But if it's tomorrow 16 or 15 dollar, uh, 15 euros, I'll probably say like, I wasn't maybe right. Yeah, and so it's not like I'm from stone. Um, but but if you just look at the underlying numbers it's playing out as we were expecting and you know on this show uh, uh, probably if we if we play the tape back you have heard me saying about that you know they have a cost base of 40 dollars or something like 45 dollars and ExxonMobil, we don't discuss it today they also now have a cost per barrel of 41 dollars and they want to reduce to 35 dollars also massive cash flow there so 
they're they're it's at 85 dollars or something like that the oil price and i still think that it can go five six dollars higher i'm not sure if we will see 100 if we see 100 it is because of a massive uh, spike that you sometimes see right uh, that yeah. people get overhyped i think this is a perfect uh, price for where it deserves to be with the with the supply and demand issues we have in the world so and, and at this price is is like it's it's 50 profit or cash flow profit right on this so it's it's like it's not oil coming out as how do you say it's spraying out of the surface but it's just cash cash coming pure out. cash yeah. yeah yeah no 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 real surprises yeah. do you know one thing that that bothers me is that on my the Gyro account they have now obviously changed over to just shell yeah. so they had to sell my shares and rebuy rebuy my shares yeah. It now tells me on that that my average price was 22 euro. Ah, okay. Because yeah, it bought yeah. back at that. I only checked it yeah. out the other day. And now I have to go back into my um, G sheets and I have to yeah. fix that ticker on all my transactions. Yeah, I had, I had to do as well. But it was quite easy, right? Control yeah. H. But um, is this a taxable event for you then? No, no, I don't. It's not. No, no. no. Okay. Cool. But uh, yeah, so and people ask me often about total energies. So I would like to own some total energies. But I think the growth story about Royal Dutch Shell is just better. And why? Because um, they reset their whole dividend. Yeah. So um, uh, total energies gives a little bit of a bit better yield, but it's also flat for many years. I like total energy still as a company. I think it's still leading uh, the, the energy transition. I think Shell is a quick follower. Mm -hmm. I hope still to at a certain moment to replace my Exxon Mobil shares for Total Energies. I'm saying this already for two years here in the podcast. I guess I'm the typical dividend investor of buy and hold that doesn't touch things when the dividend is not cut. But I must say I was also happy with the Exxon Mobil uh, results. But I feel like it's the American approach to it. They, they, I don't feel that they take the transition really serious. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll move on to one of our European companies, um, Roche Holdings, which is in the pharma, pharma segment. Um, it's a company that, I mean, I would like to own, but they're on the Swiss exchange and that just makes it so so hard, hard for me, especially with tax. Um, it's just a bit of a pain, but overall they had, they had nice solid growth. The diagnostics division again, is kind of carrying the the pharma division so the diagnostic division was up 29 percent pharma was basically flat i think it was up about three percent that's obviously suffering heavily from biosimilars and a little bit of the impact from from covid 19 but they still grew nine percent overall as a group um, which is quite good eps uh, earnings per share was up six percent so pretty much bang on what the expectations were so they, they gave mid single digit growth and that's exactly exactly what they hit um, free cash flow was up a massive 34 percent and this is due to lower investments and a stronger operating performance and their debt levels went up a small bit because of this share repurchases from Novartis that we that we covered before um, and yeah pretty much it so next year I suppose next year it doesn't look so rosy from the company themselves have said that they're expecting pretty much little top line growth maybe zero so zero to low single digits but that's mainly based on biosimilars again i think avastin has been heavily hit and also covid19 sales so i think a lot depends on covid19 sales because they, they might be propping up a little bit 
and how that how that's going. They're anticipating about a two billion loss on that, which is obviously going to cut down on the, the growth levels. Yeah. But twenty twenty one was 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 solid, but I don't expect twenty twenty two to be as as good. Yeah, and a dividend hike. Always a dividend hike, and and the the a dividend hike, and again they're nearly confirming a dividend hike for the year after. The, the, They've already said that in this, that they anticipate that they'll increase it again next year. 35 years. Yeah, yeah. 35 years. It's Increasing. Incredible yeah. incredible for a for a European European company. Yeah. And they're not small increases either. They're, they're they're decent, they're decent hikes. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Good. Um shall we then stay a bit in pharma? Yeah. Yeah, so let's go to Apfi. I think it's also a company that you own. I'm really impressed with this company. We know about Humira and the patent cleft coming up. Yeah, still three and a half percent increase in the Humira sales overall, a seven percent, seven point four percent increase last quarter in sales. So it's not only Humira carrying anymore, um, the sales increases because. Skirizzi and Rinvok are really starting to be meaningful now, right? Together they brought in 1.3 billion. I believe together they are expected to bring in 15 or so billion by 2025, which will be the equivalent of what Humira is bringing in these two drugs. And we know that Humira is the best-selling drugs in the world. Yeah. So this company has two other drugs now coming up, which should, you know, dampen uh a little bit the dip that humira will uh bring in but then we have this fucking botox i mean in the in the midst of the pandemic they grow 18 percent. i mean how many lips can you pump <laughs> yeah <laughs> during COVID, yeah? yeah how do you do that with a mask on uh it's crazy it's crazy but they the the, the, co the cost of making that is pennies and for what they sell it for is incredible the markup is is Really this is good. brand. This yeah. is just brand. People, yeah. I, I guess people want to be injected with Botox and not with an Aldi brand or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that Aldi Botox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but for me, this is amazing with Apfi. We've been talking about it because it was a one. You know, you have these pharma companies that come big, like Gilead Sciences, really good example. I think it was HIV and such, right? With the cocktails they had, mm -hmm. and. Um, they struggle to do acquisitions, right? Proper acquisitions. They go into the special, specialty, specialty um, uh, treatments and everything. And what did Afi? It just took a simple business with some good brands like Allergen, not, uh, not the same as what they had. It was really like portfolio extension. It creates discussion in the portfolio, something you can count on. Uh, so that you de-risk the, the company as well. Of course, they went in a lot of depth for that. But they're nicely paying debt now down. So for me, this is an excellent management execution with excellent portfolio management. And that's what, it's not for me even about the numbers and sales and such, because Epi doesn't have the best reputation when it comes to the sales practices, because it's usually followed up by, by lawyers. Uh, <laughs> they're really aggressive here. Um, so it's a bit dubious, but it's excellent portfolio management. And, and for me, this is why, I'm okay with the levels of debt because I did one time an analysis of my top 10 companies and Apfi is horrible. All red flags when it came to the um, to the debt levels and everything. But they're just executing so well that I accept this risk. But the market prices also the company lower for that. We feel it's undervalued. 
but if you if you're like a, a pension fund you really look at the depth right and mm -hmm. that's why you you don't want to pay a premium for this company but for me i feel really comfortable with this company the risk is so much lower after the acquisition of allergen and they're just executing really really well on this it's uh it's an example company of how to how to navigate when you have a patent patent cliff yeah but i know i know you said we feel that companies undervalued but it's starting to to really start to pick up i mean i bought these guys at around 80 dollars um i wish i wish i loaded up more at, at, at that price point but i think they're fast creeping up without adding any more shares they're fast creeping yeah. up one of my top five positions because it just keeps increasing yeah. in, in price and it, it's it's interesting that you mentioned both uh, sky ritzy and and rinvox so i watch a lot of premier league football and some of the games particularly on a saturday evening are not on uk television or you have to pay extortion about the money but they are available on us stations so I, I watch some of the us stations um for football and some basketball too and the ads these two drugs are being pushed on quite a bit i mean on multiple channels you can just see that they're really starting to push these so i can see why in america they're starting to, to gather a lot of traction and probably grow over the over the next few years because it's they're, they're starting yeah. to um really drive these but it's it's great for for us as Adviv investors i mean the biggest risk we, we look everybody and their dog knew about humira we we know what's going to happen we know there's there's risk there that's why we're investing in someone like um Vietris, for example but yeah. to have two drugs come in and replace that or potentially replace that is is huge it's absolutely yeah, huge exactly 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 so if they get to bring the debt down also the next five years you're talking about a really, really high quality company yeah. and, and the share price will follow uh, that quality. Yeah, yeah I, I own them since like $67, uh, full position already since then. So I'm, I'm happy. And it's also uh, in going into my top five if it keeps uh, increasing the price. But I pr prefer them to continue to increasing so nicely with the dividends, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and they usually do decent dividend hikes, to be fair. Yeah. And then the next uh, company then in pharma is a company that started to buy last year is Bristol Myers. And also here again, I mean, I, I like the I like the numbers and it, it's playing exactly on the thesis that I had. It's also a company again that needs to restore their pipeline. Yeah. Also, again, um, their pipeline is at risk and they are now widening the pipeline to offset uh, uh, the potential patents. And uh, yeah what what can i say is just doing what it needs to do uh, a five billion buyback in quarter one it's a three and a half percent shareholder yield in a single quarter and that that's massive right um what i also like is that uh, revlimit is doing well still uh it's flat effectively in in sales but it's it, it was expected uh, a little bit worse but then illiquis uh, one of their drugs just added another 400 million and 18 percent growth so you see also here that they they are still executing really really um yeah really well and for me these are just good results i mean there's nothing nothing special in there uh, but that was so nice about these results it was like execution according to plan they have, they have laid out their whole strategy for the next few years and this is like tick in the box this quarter that's how you could see it like if you have a project plan tick in the box next quarter next milestone that's how they're executing at the moment. They're really, really focused. I mean, you were one of the first guys I remember to to really start with these 
couple of months back. You know, you did a video on him, I believe. Yeah. First, um, and after that, I've seen a lot more people starting to cover him. Obviously, they they've reached some sort of value range. I'm I'm not I'm not a shareholder, um, but I'm really happy to see that your thesis is is playing out. I think you had a lot of conviction around these, if I remember. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's, it's nice to to see that your thesis is playing out as as you ex expected. And and looking at the numbers, I mean, I don't know a whole lot more about the company, but looking at these numbers, I mean, they look they look textbook. And yeah. I I would be happy if I was a shareholder. So I'm not buying at this kind of price. Uh, now it's like I think $64 for me. It was like below 60, like around 55. It was my 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 buying zone, yeah, with a margin of safety. Now they are like fair value, slightly above. So I'm not buying at the moment. Also, not with these numbers. I will buy on a proper dip again. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's move into some more robotics. Uh, we'll move into ABB, which is a company that we've we've obviously covered before on on the show as well. And they had a nice a nice year again. Um, I think we I think we covered them recently, and we kind of expected the same. Their orders have have gone up. They obviously had a huge backlog backlog of orders that they're starting to fulfill. Revenues have gone up eight uh, percent. Cash flow from operations gone up seventy eight percent. Um, so they, they, they're progressing really good numbers. I think all segments are doing really well, particularly then they're, they're moving to more robotics. So kind of like Teradyne have these mirrors, which are mobile robots. These guys, ABB, have acquired ASTI, which again have autonomous mobile robots. So this seems to be the new norm. Robots <laughs> go all around, the, all around the place. And I mean, as I, as I said to you, we have it in our own factory, so it's it's huge. It's going to be, I, I believe, it's going to be absolutely huge. Um, looking at the looking at the numbers, I have the income statement there. I mean, it looks solid, much better than last year. The net income is less than last year, but that's because last year that they had some income from this discontinued operations so I, I can't remember what they sold off but they had some extra income there but without that they would have exceeded last year by by about 30 or 40 percent but it's quite quite strong free cash flow as i said is is up more than covers the dividend i expect them to increase the dividend again um pay ratio is quite small i think it's like 40 or 50 percent um but it's a solid year and i i think i think we're going to start to see real growth in this in the next two or three years particularly in the robotics industry um we can see huge demand coming for that oh and what did they do with their dividends uh they increased it from 80 cents to 82 cents right 82 cents yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's so not it a, was a really really small hike this time it's it's, it's yeah. not it's not it's not a huge hike um and I don't expect them to. I don't really expect these to to do huge hikes over the next couple of years. But I think their main focus is on acquisitions and really building out their, really building out their portfolio at the moment. Ah, super! I I really like ABB and ah, I just never got to buying it actually. But I like the company. It's still. I mean, again, it's another one of those that it's in on the Swiss exchange, which is which is hard to buy for me. But they still look overvalued at the moment. I think they're. 39 or 35 um swiss francs and i still think they they have a bit to go before i would even yeah. consider buying them okay now let's uh well, i mean hopefully they drop like 40 percent, and we are still so convinced about this company by then and we'll get to buy some so the next one i want to quickly talk about is omega healthcare and we don't talk a lot about this stock on the show 
but um, I discussed it in one of my videos and I got some questions this week about it as well. So I thought, like, okay, let's discuss it in the, in, the, in the podcast. Omega Healthcare is a real estate investment trust and it is effectively um, providing, uh, it, it's, it's, it's how you say it, having operators that provide to all people that are like one or two weeks before they die kind of giving them their last bath bed let's say that's what is this kind of their business model right they, they give you a new bed clean it up nice blanket you lie there for two weeks get some proper food and the people come cry die and uh next one yeah that's how they earn money and um now you know there's an issue there because of COVID specifically as well um, you know, there's a lack of nurses, as an example. So some operators yeah. struggle actually in the operate uh, to operate. And, you know, people don't need to go to this house now because many of them are in the intensive care. Yeah, I, I know I'm saying this really in layman's terms, but this is how, how simplistic I look at this. So and what I like about the CEO, Taylor Piquette, is that he's really, really uh, transparent in this. He says portfolio occupancy growth stalled in the fourth quarter, driven by continuing stretched labor market and the early effects of the Omicron variant. Uh, results were impacted by non-payment of rent by a few operators, as well as reduction in the collateral supporting non-paying operators. Really transparent, no bullshit. That's what I like. And what I would like to mention here with Omega Healthcare, because why is this company so interesting? It is yielding almost around 10% now again after the, after the, the they dipped by 12%, I think, in the last two, three days. So almost a 10% yield. It attracts people. But look, I get some questions here about that people are nervous. I sense that. Don't own it. If you, if you get nervous of a stock, I don't want to own stocks that make me nervous, that make me not sleep well at night. Then don't own it. It's not worth the 10% yield. Really not. The stress that you get back for it. So how, how is it for me? It's for me a small position in my portfolio. Uh, it fits well if you have like 30 to 40 stocks in a portfolio. You can have a 10 yielder there that if it cuts the dividend, it will not impact your portfolio too much. Although I'm a dividend growth investor, this one I'm not necessarily buying for the growth, but for the compound uh, compounding by reinvesting dividends. Uh, if you look at all the dividends paid uh, by companies in my portfolio, this is the second larger historical payer for me after Shell because I own this company already five, six years. This company has had always stress from the outside world because then it was um, uh, Trump that wanted to change the healthcare system because this industry, um, uh, how do you say it, is, is I think, uh, I believe it's Medicare and such. It depends on yeah. that, on, on these kind yeah. of payments. So, and there's always political risk. Now it's Omicron. But look, in the end, the numbers were not too bad. Yeah, so the... The official funds from operations were 50 cents per share, while the dividend is 67 per share. So they were not covering the dividend. But then the adjusted uh, funds uh, from operations were 77 percent, uh, 70 cents per, uh, per share. I checked why was the difference, and effectively, officially, they had to, uh, how you say, it, do some non-cash adjustments and 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 make reservations for potential credit losses. So um effectively they're saying in the future we might get less uh, um, uh to collect and they need to provide for uh, make provisions for that that's why it is so the, in my opinion dividend was covered and at the same time they also announced already a bit earlier a 500 million buyback authorization because they feel their shares are undervalued yeah and they can cancel dividend stocks at 10 percent yield so yeah you know you probably want to pay that uh pay that off that such kind of debt on a six and a half million market cap. So if you look at it like that, if you are 
if you're willing to take risk and if you could stomach a dividend cut, if that's what you're afraid of, right? You're getting a 10% yield plus an 8.5% buyback yield. You're talking here about a potential 18.5% return in a single year. That's that's what's on the table here. Um, I hope you don't get uh, your greedy uh, kind of mindset comes up here. If this is like a 1% or 2% size of position in your portfolio, for me, it fits well. Um, but if you can't sleep with these kinds of stocks, stay away from it. Don't copy also me in this, right? I'm really aware of the risks already for five years. And if it cuts in half, I wouldn't lie awake from this because my 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 it is already uh, it has already paid back 40 or 50 percent of my investment yeah over the years so i'm yeah. good with that yeah you're, look you're not buying this company for for top line growth you're not going to get total returns you're getting your dividend yield 10 percent. that's pretty much it so if you're a, a dividend growth investor it might not be the best option if you want income fast if you want it, it could be it could be a good option for you um, I don't have them in my portfolio. I'm not. I'm not looking to add them anytime soon. Um, I have enough high yielders at, at the moment, so yeah. I don't need to. I don't need to add any more. This is my only high yielder with Chesnara. So yeah, the rest yeah. is all growth focused. Yeah, I have. I have all three, and I have got BTI British American Tobacco as well. So I have quite a few high, high yielders. So I don't need. I don't particularly need another one. But if I was, if I needed income and I was coming close to retirement, I would definitely think about adding something like like a small position on this just purely yeah. purely for for income nothing else yeah good 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 um the last company then is aflac it's it's a company that i like a lot um i haven't really got a whole lot of time to to go through through this as much as i want to because it's a little bit more complicated going through insurance companies than than others because you have to take premiums and claims into account so I just kind of flicked through through the numbers. The total revenues were kind of flat year on year, which is which is okay. Um, acquisitions claims was down ten percent. Net earnings was down nine point five percent. So it, it didn't see. Look, it didn't it didn't stand out to me. But again, I only glanced at this just before just before we came on. So I'd have to dig a little bit deeper into the numbers to see how they actually performed. I just looked up some some blurb on yahoo finance they are a little bit more bullish than what, what i have from the numbers i'm seeing um even though revenues fell eight percent there it back consensus which normally keeps people happy and uh, fourth quarter results were improved particularly in uptick in sales in japan and u.s segments so that's that's always good and they've given a, a better forecast for next year particularly with face-to-face -face opportunities and people starting to go back into shops and, and so on yeah. so they're not not too concerned about what they what they've seen um it doesn't really strike me as, as a great result from this year's kind of flat kind of may but it's yeah. um something that i'll probably read a little bit more on this this weekend hopefully. yeah but look you know what is the p uh less than 10 yeah probably yeah, yeah. dividends uh 25 payout ratio a dividend grew with 18 percent I mean, from that point of view, it has a lot of upward potential. So this sounds like a company to buy on the dip, but don't expect uh, a lot of growth. Uh, growth in dividends, yes, but not not stellar earnings growth. I I think I think they're over overvalued at at the moment. I I, I couldn't touch them at the price they're at, but 
it's a company that that I really like. But again, it's it's insurance. It's going to be cycles. You you get your opportunity if 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 you're if you're willing to willing to wait for them. Yeah, um, true. So no, so I, I look into them. I'm sure Tiago will um, keep me more up to yeah. date with with these. And look, and, and now comes it. These are the companies what we wanted to discuss. So we didn't discuss, um, how I said, Starbucks. We didn't discuss the 49% dividend hike from UPS. We didn't discuss Stanley Black & Decker. We didn't discuss Chubb. We didn't discuss Novartis. We didn't discuss uh, Emerson, one of the dividend kings, right? We didn't discuss Novo Nordisk again with stellar earnings. Uh, Asa Abloy. Yeah. yeah wow yeah. wow you know the locksmith of europe or of the world sanofi we didn't discuss uh, honeywell not merck not hershey one of my favorites not anel not i mean this is this week so sorry uh, listeners if there's someone in there where you would have loved to hear our opinion let us know maybe we can sneak something in another show but it's for me i feel like this week being in a candy store it's just I sh it's just pity that I had like so much work on my desk that I had hardly time to ch check everything. So I know what I will be doing this weekend. Uh... Wouldn't you love to be just a full-time analyst? Oh, <laughs> or, yes, yes, just, yes, just, yes. Just retired. You're not even doing it for money. Just just this this week, next week, last all this yeah. month, and you're just sitting there. My dream would to be, uh, my, my honestly, my dream would be to be like Warren Buffett. Like if I'm 50 plus, hopefully I'm then early retired. That I just like the whole week just read 10Ks and then call with you, like Charlie Munger. And or yeah, you may be Buffett, I'm Charlie Munger. And we just call via our landline, like, yo, EMF, what do you think about this one? And we just talk a little bit. Yeah. And and then we go back into the 10K. Oh, have you looked at these numbers? Yeah. What do you think about the insurance industry? Yeah. Look, float. That's my dream. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be awesome. There's just so many companies. It's, it's so hard to fit to fit them all in. I mean, I think we struggled with the amount we had there. So to fit in another, what you you mentioned six or seven companies there, and we could have yeah. fit in easily, easily more. Yeah. yeah. Good. Let's go to listeners' questions then um, before we start really uh, daydreaming. Uh. <laughs> so um, the first question comes from Martin. Martin, uh, one of our. Um, actually really nice bloke also on uh, twitter always also really really good comments and uh, he's asking if we ever took a look at um, uh, the durex uh, maker uh, racket <laughs> bensiker yeah yeah I, I always struggle pronouncing them as well sorry sorry richard um but it's it's a company look i, I can't say a whole lot i do cover these guys for sure dividend um so i, I try and keep what i do on the blog and personal separate because I treat that as, as more like a job. Um, so I do cover them. I cover them from the US ADR perspective. So everything is in, in US dollars. But what I can say is that these guys have got a really, really strong band, brand. Think of Detal or, or Loisal. They are huge, huge names in the US. They got really strong price and power. Um, they were able to pass on some of the prices before inflation. They anticipated it before during the pandemic when their products were really starting to take off because people are conscious about hygiene they upped their prices they kind of mentioned inflation was on its way so they did a really good job at that I'm, i can't wait to see that the results come out soon um i like them as a company um they are starting to focus a little bit more on nutrition and health they're going down that route as well so the deviation and of course they have their 
you know durex as well for those who like like pleasure so it's a look it's a really good a really good company they have really strong brands i don't know about price wise if i would buy them at these levels but considering what we saw with clorox happening i'm i'm curious to see how how these guys have performed in the last quarter yeah no super uh, so the next question um, is from Dividend Stockpile, Jeremy, and he's asking, besides dividend metrics, what other criteria do you look at when evaluating a new company? The, the, not always dividend metrics, I suppose. You're looking at revenues, you're looking at cash flow, you're looking at payout ratios, you're looking at margins. Um, when, when you're analyzing a, a new company, you're probably looking at everything really you're, you're looking at the numbers so so i've started really so i have i have a one-page dashboard i took took most of uh, my inspiration from you but i have a dashboard and i use that and it what that does is it crunches numbers based on what i what i want and it will give me a rating between zero and 100 and if that's above 50 then i will say okay it is now worth my time to look into the company's history look into their growth look into the risks and look at actually look into this so look beyond the numbers because i think that's really important it's it's easy as as people who analyze companies to get stuck on numbers and facts but you do have to realize that they're not going to stay the same the company will either grow or it's not they either have growth prospects or or they're not yeah. so you have to You'd... you have to understand what they do how they make money and how they plan to make money i think I, because we look at it as when we buy shares that we are business owners of the shares yes yeah, yeah it's not for us a ticker it's like we own the company that's why I, at least i get pissed off when ceos don't deliver yeah because i feel like hey you're wasting my money yeah it's it's i'm an owner of this company as well yeah so that that's how i look at it and then you you look at such stuff right you look at management integrity even i check the violation tracker online how, mm -hmm. how, how much company is uh, getting fined for stupid stuff so this is all important, but if you really would like to know some uh, metrics, Jeremy, then for instance, one important for me is debt to equity, debt to equity. Another one is what I call the value creation metric is the return on investment capital, return on invested capital more than the weighted average cost of capital, mm -hmm. because if it's not covering the cost of, of what money costs, then it's not creating value for me. So I look also at these metrics, but in the end, all these metrics are surrounding the three financial statements. So. We come back to our typical advice i think read read one of the books about from was it from buffett and how to read the three financial statements you always recommend yeah. this book yeah. um because that there you will learn about what to look at and you have metrics actually designed to focus on those elements and that's really i think what i would recommend because these three financial statements you cannot read just at one you need to read them into in in, in balance with each other yeah i i i echo that and that book uh warren buffett's book my 10 uh, he's 12 now i keep calling him my 12 year old son is now reading that he's just gone through the income statement um which is quite cool so he he, he read the income statement to be fair a lot of it was gobbledygook he, he didn't understand the whole lot but then i took him through an income statement and showed him where stuff is and it's starting to make sense now bear in mind he's 12 so it's not all going to sink in so his next task now is to go and read the balance sheet, which is the next section, of it, and we'll do the same. And he's going to complete out the book, and then I'll recommend that he reads it again next year and the year after and the year after until 
he can grasp exactly what it is. And then nice. we spend some time going through, going through, and he's asking me all all sorts of questions. And it's <laughs> actually funny. I know I'm deviating a little bit, but he they have to bring a book to school right every every week, and I didn't know I didn't notice, and. I had last uh, Friday off because I was working nights. So I, I managed to pick him up from school and he was walking out with the book in his hand. I was like, what? did you bring that to school? He was like, yeah, he brings it every week. So I'm there thinking, what does his teacher think? He's <laughs> 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 been sent to school with for how to read financial statements. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Well, uh, I think everyone would love to have such a son when you're an investor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's my retirement fund. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the, the the next question is from Average Pila. He says, Meta, so Facebook, has no debt, lots of cash, and a low price to earnings. No other company has this. Why not buy, buy, buy? Well, Average Pila, first of all, we are dividend investors. Facebook doesn't pay dividends, although I hope and I think it should be one of those companies that could buy and pay a dividend, but they started to more invest in the metaverse. Uh, but actually, I bought a few shares yesterday, so I have a small position. It's part of my 10% non-dividend stocks in the portfolio, more focused on those tech companies that I just want to I just want participate in the wealth creation there. So I bought a few more. I feel confident, uh, comfortable below 300 to have some shares. And and just just remember, metaverse is just hype at the moment. I mean, it's second life, just in uh, with more with better pixels. Yeah, but it's 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 just hype at the moment. Nobody knows yeah. how that's going to react. Like exactly. What, what companies are going to benefit from that? Even even if Facebook or Meta are going to benefit themselves. Yeah. So. Uh, there's plenty of reasons to buy and, and plenty of reasons not to buy. Yeah, so what I can say, I, I think um, that it went 25% down is a bit too much, but that it went down was really, really deserved. First of all, we see now the impact of uh, uh, the decision from Apple with the advertising tracking. And um, so what this means is fundamentally their, reven their revenue model changed. Yeah, it has a large impact. So you need to discount for that. It's not anymore the same company as half a year ago with its earnings potential. Yeah, and then also with the metaverse and such, uh, the increase of um, spending risk is increasing because you know will they pay? Will they get a return on investment and in all this cash that they are throwing into it? Uh, it became a much more riskier business, and for that you might also say it deserves a lower multiple. So I, I'm not saying like that this this price decline is like fully um, unjustified actually to the contrary but I felt already that uh, the company was already always of low value because of how many people hate Facebook and don't want it in the portfolio yeah. Yeah. Um, Jan Rakar has asked us have you sold some, st some stocks and why and your top name on the wish list these days have I sold some stocks yeah, well, I usually do some tax harvesting in December, and that's usually the only time when I sell something. And last December, I sold my ADR Baba shares, but I bought them straight away back in Hong Kong. So I don't really consider that a sale. It was just tax harvesting. So the last time I sold was probably in December 2020, some General Electric shares just for tax harvesting. I think yeah. I didn't sell anything. Maybe maybe I sold something, but nothing meaningful. So actually, 
because I don't sell shares. Yeah. Oh no, I sold AT and T in May last year after after they announced the stock split. Then the price went up like five percent, so I sold it at thirty four dollars. That's when it was the last time. Yeah, because of the dividend cut, and I didn't agree didn't agree with uh, management strategy anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Verizon was the last one I sold recently. I I had. But I think I had five shares and I had no intention of adding any more. I didn't want just five shares sitting in my account. Yeah. So I sold them and bought something else. Um, so typically we don't sell, I think before that, Disney. Um, oh, yeah, I, Disney, I, yeah. I can't remember yeah. who else. Um, my top name on the wish list these days, are, I just want to start padding out my portfolio. I, I, I'm liking Fresenius, Texas Instruments um, are, are really there. Texas Instruments, yes, top of my watch list. I, it hiked quite a lot, right, after the earnings, but it fell back to 171. I said, I saw, and 166 is my buying price, and I've got an order outstanding. So I hope that next week it gets triggered. So. Uh, next, next one is Luca Blasi is asking my thoughts about Clorox, and here I want to share my thoughts. I really feel like um, answering this question because the stock dropped 15% today, right, and. I had a one pager one time about it and I had the share price around 170 as fair value. I didn't want to buy it at fair value because of the risk associated to it. So I have a margin of safety. So I said something like, I want to buy it at 150. Um, that was modeled on a 950 million uh, free cash flow uh, for my discounted cash flow analysis. And when I looked in numbers today, I read two things. They are not able to pass on the inflation to the customer. Customers here are companies like Walmart. We know that Nestle is in a fight with Ahold Del Hez, and Ahold Del Hez has empty shelves now because they can't agree because Nestle wants to hike prices. So what we see now here, this is what's happening now. It's power play in the value chain there. And at the same time, it's um, also dec declining sales, which is normal, right? Uh, we need less of the all this stuff now for cleaning now that COVID went into a different phase. But the trailing 12-month cash flow is now 580. Now, quarter of October, the results, they were really poor and there were some one-offs in. So I started to model, I started to reduce my models. So um, I was probably over-optimistic. Over so I've remodeled it back to 700. And then the share price, I'm fair value for me is $133 without a margin of safety. So if you now think about Clorox, I was probably too optimistic. The, the inflation is hitting too hard. I need to do something with that information. So I believe that I would like to buy at 115, 120, which also means that this whole price decline is justified in my opinion. Yeah, I think we spoke a little bit off, off air and, and the numbers are, are quite clear. Um, what I can't get over is that a company like this, you could see this coming. I mean, this is the fourth quarter in a row that we are speaking about inflation. Simply just by reading the the ten Ks, even yeah. before even before inflation was seen, before we seen it in our pockets going to the shop, companies were starting to talk about this four quarters ago. So we've had a year where this is coming. Companies like like this are going to struggle to pass that on to customers so i don't see it as as too much of a shock to 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 be honest with you i'm not surprised companies like this or kimberly clark are, are struggling yeah. um in fact i i kind of and expected the only thing is this is new to 
pretty much most investors yeah. of, of our generation. So maybe we are a little bit more reactive than than proactive. Yeah. But I'm I'm sure that there are seasoned investors out there that have gone yeah. through a cycle like this who would have spot this and got rid of a company like this this time yeah. last year. The good thing is, you know, you can get it at 3.25% yield right now, which is a good yield in the current market. Dividend safe. I have no no issue with the dividend. So if you're looking at a company now at the moment where you want to have like a 3 plus percent yield, it might actually even be uh, attractive. Just know that from a discounted cash flow point of view, it would be slightly overvalued. Um, but in the long run, if you think about a decade, I think this company will just do fine. Uh, if you're interested to buy now, I'm just not a buyer. I want it cheaper. Yeah, but but on on the other hand, inflation's not going away, so we're going to see this same thing happen next quarter and then the quarter after that, and probably the quarter after that, and this stock will probably be hammered every single quarter. And that, that's that why happens. I have patience. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I I think you can afford to wait on on companies like this. You don't have to yeah. don't have to rush in because it's dipped twenty five percent. I think. Exactly. Just just wait. It would be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then the next question is from um, I said Fali Daza, and he's asking when is gonna be the first European Dividend Investors Summit. Uh, one of our first time uh, followers, uh, early followers of the podcast, and we've been speaking about this, right? We wanted to do something like that, yeah. uh, but with COVID, it's just not been possible. But. I wouldn't mind spending a, a long weekend in the summer this year if it's a bit open somewhere in, in, in the middle of Europe. At least for most of us, it's West Europe. So that would be probably Belgium or Germany or something like that. Somewhere where it's um, there's sunshine so I can get a little bit of sunshine. <laughs> yeah. Nice. yeah, exactly, exactly. But no, seriously, yeah. we, we have we have spoke with this and we do have our, our Dividend Day community and it, so it's growing on Facebook and all the platforms. But... There has been chatter of of people meeting up, and why not? I mean, yeah, I think we should do something. Spend uh, spend some time a weekend somewhere, hang out together, uh, have kind of a meetup where we present to each other, pitch things, and uh, really where we can ask questions. I would love it, right? Like kind of a giant meetup. Or if we could go to a shareholders meeting somewhere, it would be ooh, where we get good. like free food. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 buy one share for the free lunch and then, but then we need to buy a share like uh you know ing for 10 euros or something like that yeah. and then <laughs> get about get about 30 euro worth of food exactly 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 yeah good uh last question then is around um uh, from b uh, uh yeah his name is b any experience or views with using credit rating in your evaluation if yes do you have a showstopper like level like bbb i i do look at credit ratings um i would not say the credit rating itself is a showstopper but you have to remember that the credit rating is based on usually the debt levels of the company and their ability to pay it back and and the risk associated with that so while the credit rating itself might not directly tell me not to to buy it probably the other things on the balance sheet which causes that credit rating will would be a showstopper but i have an account you can sign up at moody's um which is completely free i find it great just go in type in the ticker and it it's quite, quite yeah good. I'm, I'm when he says bbb i do look at that so if it for me is like lower than bb plus so that's just the first level b below a lower than uh, all the alarm bells are ring ringing yeah. yeah i'm really watching out then and there are some 
companies that are considered high quality with BB plus. And if they, if they go one level down, you could argue like they're really going, they're really, you know, on the boundary. And, and this also means uh, I, I, I analyze this, but not necessarily, I look at the credit ratings, right? But I also do my own homework around this because you don't want to have a comp, uh, you don't want to have a portfolio with your top 10 positions all in the B range. You get yeah. slaughtered in, in a financial crisis. But but I have to say, actually, if 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 you read Moody's, for example, and, and the credit rating, they do a lot of detailed research. Um, and it's you, like after a 10K, it's probably good to read their analysis because they give you an unbiased view of where they see the company growth prospects are, where the yeah. money is going to come from to pay back the debt levels that they have. And they give an honest assessment that, well, in, in most cases, an honest assessment of, of that. So it's, I, I always, I always, I always go, go to that and, and check them out. I think it's really, really useful. Um, but certainly investment grade credit rating is, is a must even, even if it's yeah. one level above junk investment grade has to be, has to be there. But then look at Workout. They had, they had investment grade and um, credit rating and <laughs> look, look at them. So yeah, we saw those in the financial crisis, right? Yeah. Um, there are companies that went from triple A to uh, yeah bankrupt almost. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to take it as gospel, but between between reading that and reading the three financial statements, you should have an overall picture. Yeah. Of yeah, and, and 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 typically this company like Wirecard that's fraud. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like reading a balance sheet. If the balance sheet is fake, then uh, yeah. Good. Hey, this is the end of the show, uh, Mr. EMF. Went quick again, and uh, we could have discussed lots of more, but we need to also respect our listeners. They're probably already at work or whatever. whenever they listen to this. So thank you, everybody. Thank you for always being so loyal. We can see it also in the, in the, in the listeners' base. Um, actually, it continues to grow. Uh, we get really nice feedback. Thank you so much. It keeps us going. It's like really like energy to us. So thank you for that. If you if you don't follow us yet on Facebook, join the Dividend Talk group. Uh, there's always someone there to answer your question as well. And hey, see you on the outside again and, and see you next week. Yep. See you later.